This is the A-Team Podcast brought to you by Jackrabbit Illustrated. The A-Team is presented by Drake's Place in Bottle, South Dakota and sponsored by Jackrabbit Central and Shenanigans in Sioux Falls. Now, here's your hosts of the A-Team Podcast, Matt and Kyle. And welcome back to the Splitting Hairs Podcast presented by Jackrabbit Illustrated. Um, We're back for another week. Um, presented by Drake's Place and Cottonwood Coffee. Man, we sure do appreciate them um, believing us. You know, we know it was a big weekend for Drake's Place. Uh, pheasant opener out in South Dakota. They had all sorts of specials going on. Uh, I believe they were doing omelets uh, this morning and uh, yesterday or tomorrow morning. What day is today? So Saturday and they were doing omelets. Um, they looked wonderful. Man, I just, I want an omelet. There's no craving omelet. Cottonwood. Um, you know, we can't uh, appreciate them enough. Their coffee is the best in town. Uh, you can get it in your own private residence. They will ship to you. Um, and again, it's the best coffee. Kyle, when when you posted, um, when you posted about... The Starbucks, man. Yeah, amen, amen. So Kyle, how are you today? I mean, nothing, nothing really grinding my gears this weekend. Um, that's a little nod to the to the color and play-by-play commentators of of the WIU game. But uh, yeah, excellent to come out of Macomb with a win. You know, obviously it's a really far distance to travel for the guys. It's not always the easiest getting there. Um, and all the fan support that turned out that was pretty exciting to see as well. Um, saw quite a few tailgating pictures and blue and yellow that went out to support. So. Always excellent to see that and see the fanfare kind of continue to up the ante and raise their support is always nice as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, it's always uh, just a challenge. Stig speaks to that every time they go out to Macomb. Um, just the challenge of being there and getting there. <laughs> and you bust an hour to get there, then you bust an hour back to stay. And it just um, doesn't sound like very much fun for sure. So it's... It's a weird feeling. I wrote this at the end of Rants and Raves today. The Jacks have scored 40 or more points in every game this season, but it still feels like there's more out there. Are we just that spoiled as a fan base, or is the ceiling that high for this team? I think the talent caliber is so strong, and the glimpses we've had with different matchups in terms of teams we're playing in different defensive schemes that are being thrown at us and different offensive schemes that are being thrown at us. Um, it lends itself to, you know, being entitled a little bit as fans to thinking that, you know, we've seen them go like a hot knife through butter uh, the, as far as the offense is concerned against teams like Colorado state, but you know, first games of the year, you're kind of catching teams off guard, off kilter, really not knowing maybe what the talent level is across from them. And then maybe not knowing what to expect Um you know, in terms of what they were throwing out there because of the whole 2020, you know, bizarre circumstances mm-hmm. that everybody had to endure. So I think, you know, there's a lot to still examine and explore this year. You know, you look at Chris uh, Oladokun, he's only had what this is week seven. So in terms of actual live fall camp weeks, you know, maybe we had six to eight and then he's got another seven weeks that he's had. So he's only been here, what, 15 weeks. So almost, you know, a few months, maybe. So he's still kind of just finding his stride. And, you know, that's the most important position in football. So um, I think he'll continue to take strides uh, and and make some uh, big things happen for us. And I think he'll also take what's available and start to kind of find that rhythm again that we had earlier on in the season. And then as far as defensively real quick I think we'll yeah defensively real quick just to kind of cover both sides yeah I think that um when we get some guys healthy right and Mm -hmm. um we're kind of back to full strength at some some pivotal levels the chain gang our linebacking core um I think it was nice to play play a team that we probably should have taken care of no disrespect to WIU but one that we should have taken care of this week after last week's uh physical long game yeah yeah, agreed. And, you know, on the injury front, uh, it is concerning to see Q, Quentin Hicks, uh, on crutches at the end of the game, um, not able to put a lot of weight on that leg as he was coming off the field. Um, you know, we'll we'll see. Uh, being down Tolu, being down Kevin Brenner, 
Uh, you know, good thing our defensive line is as deep as it is, but uh, Quentin and Tolu are two of our top three, if not four, defensive ends. So um, that that is concerning there. So getting back to hitting our stride a little bit, uh, this I think is an interesting comment and one that I made during the game. Run the ball. The OC needs to understand uh, the caliber of uh, PS2. And I screamed that in the in the first half for sure, in the first quarter. Uh, it was right before the series when we ran the ball three straight plays, and so I felt a little bit silly on that. We didn't get a first down on that drive. But um, it seemed like Coach Eck in this game, um, and I'm a fan of Coach Eck. I need to put that out there. I'm a fan of Coach Eck. Um, I think what he's done with the offensive line is tremendous. His creativity on, in, as the play caller is tremendous. I think he struggled this game to hit his stride as a play caller. And a lot of play calling, you, when you talk to offensive coordinators, they talk about finding a groove, finding a rhythm. Um, there was something weird going on. Three straight passes, one possession. Then the next possession, they come out and run the ball three straight times. Uh, so I don't know what's going on. Um, but it felt like in, in the second quarter, the third, you know, in the third quarter more so than the second quarter, he found his groove again as a play caller. Um, and traditionally, <clears throat> he's been an excellent first half play caller. Um, and so I'm, I'm really curious maybe what was going on on uh, yesterday. What did you see, Kyle? A lot of things that, that you already kind of touched on. And, you know, that's a great point by um, – the comment that we had off the rip, because I think understanding the caliber of Pierre, definitely he, he, he knows what he's got. Cause that's why he, he implements wrinkles for him to even throw the rock. Uh, Pierre's passer rating in QB efficiency is through the roof tops in the nation by far. Uh, Eric Barriere, he's actually uh, a close second to Pierre um, from, from the QB position. Right. But no, to, to bring it back, it's, it's one of those things where I think Pierre's talents could be, accentuated by a good number two back and utilizing that back more than we do just in, in, in cleanup minutes, right? Because when you look at when Pierre was really able to go off game one, it was, it was Pierre, Pierre, Pierre in his fluidity, uh, one, his jump cuts, his ability to kind of like just press on the, the stretch zone plays. And then you have, you know, Isaiah coming in, bringing the hammer. I mean, that wears down a defense, um, cause you got the speed and then you got the power and then you got Pierre's speed and power. And then you got Isaiah stiff arm, you, right? Well, we know Isaiah is not coming back anytime soon. So we're not going to hold our breath. Well, let's go ahead and get some other guys, some trust in pivotal moments. Let's get them some, you know, opportunities to continue to stay on schedule with play calling three straight passes, not going to get it done. Now I don't hate three straight passes as long as they're like an extension of the run game. We tried to do that on the second series, and it actually worked to our benefit. We had Yankee with a bubble screen or a tunnel screen. I can't quite remember um, which direction it was going. Got Tucker involved with the, you know, you look like the swipe action, right? Like he's going to block back against the grain, and we're going to hand it off front side. And then we roll out and kind of just dump it to him quick, which is an extension of the run, really, if you think about it, because the distance of the pass is like three or four yards in the air. Um, and then Tucker is a beast to try to tackle. So using your athletes like that, getting them touches, Tucker only had two looks. I think maybe we tried to go to him a few more times, but he really needs to be in the five catch range. And so does Zach, right? Our tight ends need to be targeted probably about 10 times. That's going to open up Pierre's run lanes a lot more um, because, you know, the linebackers are going to soften a little bit here and there. Or if Pierre goes off, they're going to have to squeeze up and then we take advantage over the top. So mm -hmm. Again, it's just finding that stride. Um, you know, I was kind of, I was talking with Chris earlier and it's like death by a thousand cuts, man. If, if you don't know what's there, your first read isn't there and in the pocket, you feel the, your, your internal clock start to tick down, take three, four yards, get down, live to fight another day or chuck the ball out of bounds, man. It's like our defense is solid. Let's lean on them. Let's lean on everybody around us in order to continue to stay on schedule and get into a rhythm as an offense, you know? Mm -hmm. Well, and, and he was sacked three times, right? In that first half. And, and I'd, I'd say cleanish pockets. I thought, yeah. I yeah. Really think yeah. They were that bad. Yep. Yep. I think the one time uh, McCormick, right. Just kind of whiffed 
on, on one. Is that, yeah, that was one of them for sure. Yeah, that was one. And the other two might have been on Chris, just either coverage sacks or just, you know, needing to get rid of the ball a little bit sooner. So, or, or chuck it out of bounds, like you said. Um, yeah. And so. you know, another thing that he really excels at is moving, uh, moving out of outside the pocket. Like when, when the play's designed, like designed rollouts, moving the pocket, him throwing the ball and getting rid of it on the run. Um, mm-hmm. You know, sometimes, sometimes it just helps athletic players to get into the flow of the game. And, and that's mm-hmm. one way to do it. I mean, that's how he just ate up Colorado state, right? Right. Yeah. He was, he was moving all the time. So, yeah. So, and then the same thing when he hit, uh, was it Canyon for the first touchdown? Um, nope, it was one of the Yankees through the air. Oh, one of the Yankees. So yep. yeah, it might've been Jackson. Right. So when he, he was trying to go to Tucker on the play action, mm-hmm. but he, he was able to use his ability again, much like he did against Colorado state where he faked like he was going to continue to roll out mm-hmm. kind of bought some pocket, uh, pocket time and, moved up in the pocket and climbed and then found him. So, I mean, I think he likes moving and throwing at the same time simultaneously. Yeah. Yeah. And maybe we'll see some more of that. Uh, The only issue is what we saw against Southern Illinois. When you do continue to roll out, you know, your, your, your uh, field gets shorter that you have to throw, you know, and, and then you take that risk of throwing her back across your body, et cetera, et cetera. We saw how that went. So, you know, it, it, I get it. He has that ability, though, to make the plays on the run, which is a nice, a nice talent to have, I suppose. So, I want to talk about third down, and because third down was an issue against Southern Illinois, um, and it was again an issue, especially in the first half this week. Um, I don't have the exact stat. They flashed it up at halftime um, when they were doing the broadcast, and I believe it was like one of six or something like that. It was poor. Uh, we finished the game four of 12, which really still isn't great. Um, it's not where we want to be. It's not where we were in the spring and it's going to have to get a lot better uh, going forward. Uh, conversely, uh, West Illinois was seven of 18 is where they ended. And they were again, a lot better in the first half. They were, you know, I think probably around 60% in the first half looking at the numbers. So if it wasn't for that, that strict or strip sack, um, you know, that, that could have been a little uglier um, potentially. So that's something that I think both sides of the ball have to get, um, get a little bit better at is, is converting on third down, getting off the field on third down. And on the first uh, Western Illinois touchdown, or uh, was it the first drive where they fumbled? Whatever, one of the two. You know, they converted on a couple third and long agains, and and that was just a little bit concerning. The wide receivers found uh, pockets or holes in our deep zone and uh, were able to, um, you know, convert. And so that, that's tough because you get a team in third and long, and you think, all right, let's just do our job, keep the ball, you know, tackle them and, and before they get the first down. Uh, but then they kind of get an easy pitch and catch right in the middle of a pocket of our zone. So – uh, we got to figure out a way to shore that up. Getting back is back may help. So we'll see you there. Yeah, no, you bring up excellent points. I think there's a few things to touch on there specifically. Number one, the team that uh, we're playing, Northern Iowa Panthers, have a, a going into the South Dakota game, we're executing at a really good clip defensively. So they were only allowing conversions at 31% on third down. Yes. Now, conversely, their offense was only converting at 36%. So comparable to the Jacks, but now they played North Dakota State. They played Youngstown State. There's some some more prominent defenses, and I'm not putting Youngstown's defense in, in the same category as North Dakota State's because uh, they're only – I think they're only averaging somewhere close to seven points uh, per game allowed are the Furries. So, um, But with respect to us executing on third down, we're getting behind and off schedule, right? So some of our first down runs aren't hitting as they're supposed to. And when you go three straight passes that are three straight incompletions, that doesn't bode well. So you're already starting off with two drives behind, right? So that that can that can change with some better play calling. I wasn't thrilled with the offensive game plan coming into this game in terms of what they showed. Um, now, maybe they didn't get through all the things they wanted to. And uh, we didn't really need to show much because, again, I think we had a deeper roster. Um, but give them credit too, man. Their de- their defense was flying around. They were being physical. They were doing certain things um, to kind of keep us off our rhythm. 
Mm-hmm. Um, but that's only going to get tougher, right? As we enter into really this gauntlet here, because I, I don't think anybody has a tougher gauntlet than Northern Iowa did in terms of what they had to finish through. Yeah, um, I think they have us, or they had South Dakota, or they had North Dakota State, South Dakota, us, Southern Illinois. So, mm-hmm. I mean, that's a uh, that's pretty brutal. Yeah, they will know if they're in the playoffs or not uh, at the end of the next two weeks here. So, sure. yeah. Um, one thing here, uh, Jordan Fink, our buddy, brings up a good point. Uh, Jordan last week talked about identity um, for the Jackrabbit offense. And with Isaiah being out, maybe we just don't have the same identity. Um, that kind of continues with this comment here. Uh, part of it is we don't want to overuse Pierre. You know, he still did finish with 19 touches. Um I think the number that we've thrown around is that 20 to 25 range that we we, would like to see Pierre in both rushing and receiving. Um, And he finished with 19. And part of that is because it was an early day for him. It wasn't a full game. Um, But yeah, Jordan, Jordan brings up a good point. We, we really can't afford to lose Pierre right now. So. (laughs) Yeah. But I also, I disagree with that actually. You do. Yeah. I do disagree with that. I think we're over you and I'm not, I'm not trying to be contentious just from the standpoint, like, I think it's maybe splitting hairs, Kyle. That's right. I think we're maybe a little reliant on him uh, in a lot of ways. If you just look at, if you were to take away his production against Southern, I mean, you have Tucker who really showed out, and you have Jaden Yankee who showed out and really could have honestly had even more yards on a one a one deep pass right against Southern Illinois. When you look at this week, well, we had great contributions from Bauer, from both the Yankees, you know, a little bit from Kraft. Uh, obviously Pierre again, but he, I think we're a little heavy on that. And I'd like to see more of a, a multi-back um, yeah. situation. And so if we don't want to use him, let's not use him um, five straight drives in a row. I mean, because yeah. I think he will be more overwhelming to a defense if we sprinkle some other guys in, you know, yeah. and, and I want to use him as much as I can, but he's a human being, you know, like yeah. <laughs> those hits take a toll. This is Valley play now. Mm-hmm. And that's, you know, I, I think we talked about it in our group thread. Amar Johnson, when he gets in the game, looks good. Like, yeah. I want to see Amar behind the number one offensive line. We put that in our what to watch this week. Um, let Amar have a chance behind the number one offensive line. And if this is public, this has been said public, so we're not breaking news here anymore. But Mike Morgan's our third back. Dude, that's what I'm saying. If if we get to the spot in the season where Mike Morgan has to carry the ball, I don't want his first carry to come against NDSU right. or USD. Like, right. man. Well, I, and, I, and, and what, what bothers me about this, and this is not even just the Jacks, this is um, with a lot of programs. Uh, they develop so much of uh, their own identity with what they have on their roster. I think they forget that football is football. And if you didn't trust Mike Morgan to be in there in short yardage situations, um, I, I mean, a dude caught a 60-yard touchdown, albeit against a, a little bit different level of competition. But, I mean, he was making guys miss an open field. You're telling me he can't get two yards in a cloud of dust in short yardage? You're mm-hmm. telling me we can't go offset pistol or bring in 22 personnel, which is two backs, two tight ends. We can't bring in 13 personnel, one back, three tight ends, and just assert our will. I think we need to play bully ball. You know, that's been a hashtag that I'm pushing out there. I think we need to play bully ball and dictate the flow of the game, right? Mm -hmm. As opposed to, I mean, we're not a, we have passing athletes. We have awesome athletes on the perimeter and they continue to emerge, but we're, we're a running team. You know, look at last year. We had a three-headed monster in the backfield, and we were able to control time of possession. We controlled field position. We played great defense. We played good special teams. That's the formula, and it needs to be the formula going forward. Yep, yep. And that's some of the stuff Jordan hit on last week that you just said. So I want to get in because you've t- you've brought this up a couple times. Um, you brought him up a couple times. Canyon Bauer, uh, what a game for him. You know, yeah. um and I and I think this is a theme. You know, some of these players that that maybe are on, you know, are, are good players, but just can't crack the 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 rotation. I, I don't know how to put it because you know you look at it. Where did 
where did he get his spark kind of on that touchdown that's the, the block punt that yep. came right to him that he scored on and you could just see like people were happy for him he was pumped like it just turned the tide of the game but then he comes back and he catches a huge third down pass and he doesn't go down after he catches it he pivots and sprints up the field like blew by a three defenders before we get tackled and that's what we've seen or that's what we've heard about canyon when he signed was that he's this tremendous athlete with track speed um, and if he can become that complimentary receiver to the Yankees, um, that's really exciting because he's had a couple good games. He had a couple nice catches against Southern last week too. Um, and so I really look for that to, for him to continue to develop because really you look at it and he's, let's go through the list. We have the Yankees as our one and two. We have Tucker at three, Pierre at four, Zach at five. He, he's kind of our sixth option in the passing game. <laughs> And yeah. and that puts a ton of stress on a defense when you have when you can roll out six weapons, you know, you wouldn't have two tight ends and three wide receivers typically. But uh, you know what I'm saying? Like yeah. it, it, it puts a ton of stress on a defense when you can put that many weapons out there that are threats to catch and run um, and score. So I really look for Canyon to, to continue to build on the last two weeks. Huge progress yeah. for him. Very much so. Very well put. And I think, you know, just to underscore your point about, uh, making an impact and then trying to find your your in right Tyrell cool against Minnesota before he really got a lot of play at running back right I'm going back a little bit here but had like three kick returns for 70 80 yards a piece on each return setting up a score uh, opportunity and that that's huge right like making an impact when you get an opportunity um, you know same thing for Zenner Zenner really started out as a, as a special team stalwart um, returning kicks and then, you know, make an impact in the passing game. His first touchdown was a screen pass, I believe, collegiately against Cal mm-hmm. Poly. So um, it, it's just really cool to see guys emerge in their own way. Um, and I think that Canyon really turned the tide in terms of the momentum in that game, um, specifically, obviously, returning the the punt for a touchdown, but the block punt for a touchdown, but also on that play that you you echoed, Matt, where, he put us in field goal range. Obviously, we don't want to settle for a field goal there. But, I mean, he really got more yak, right, that helped put us in a position to be able to secure some more points there late. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Definitely. Um, a couple other things that I've just been, you know, rolling around in my brain um, since the game. Let's jump to you, Kyle. Do you have anything? Sorry, I just got distracted there for a second. What are, you, what are some of your thoughts? The game as a whole? Yeah, just as a whole. Like, yeah, I think we at? touched on it. I think we touched on the offensive side. Uh, I think, you know, we'd love to see us lean a little bit more on the run game. And I'm not talking about the run game just being Pierre, because I really do think, like I said, Pierre's going to get even more um, loose when we have a little bit of a sprinkled change of pace in there. Um, I do want to see uh, defensively um, what we can do against this team because they, they showed that they – well, I know we're talking WIU, but we have a really good pass rush, right? So I want to see what some of our stunts can do to overwhelm them. They uh, they have a good offensive line, but some of their tight end play uh, when they stayed in to help pass pro, pass protect, got exploited against um, USD last week. And I think we can take some shots there. Um, I loved what we did from a linebacker position against WIU. You know, Schaefer stepping up. Um, making some good plays. I know you highlighted that in Rants and Raves. I thought that was a good point. Um, obviously, Adam Bach, man, he's all over the field. Uh, I, I mean, that guy, I wonder what he feels like Sunday mornings. Um, you know, I want to highlight Dyshawn Gales. I thought he made some really great uh, plays in tight situations, uh, carrying his man all the way down the field. And, you know, Connor Sampson is a good quarterback. Mm-hmm. If you rewatch that film, his pocket presence and pocket awareness was really, really good. It's back-to-back weeks. We've probably played some of the best pocket-aware quarterbacks that we've got in our league, and that's going to bode well coming into this gauntlet again like we're going to run through. He, uh, you know, I have to say Samson does throw too many lollipops for my personal preference, um, but but that's maybe just me. So. <laughs> I, I debated with Lauren whether or not I should just throw a lollipop in my mouth here uh, to yeah, start right? the pod, you know. Right. But it's, it's like, the flies in here were grinding my gears, so you know. Oh, uh, funny! <laughs> and I couldn't get my I couldn't get my tux pressed in time, so. Uh, darn it! Uh, 
Um, you know, I, I do, I did point this out, but because we, we wrote about it in our, what to watch, just got to reiterate it here, um, on the podcast, our secondary did a phenomenal job on Dennis Houston. Um, WIU as a whole finished with 207 passing yards. Most of that came in the first half. Uh, Dennis Houston had 14 receptions for 71 yards and uh, a touchdown, which came on the end of round, right? Yeah. So, exactly. I mean, he they did such a good job on him of rally tackling and making sure that when he caught the ball, he had nowhere to go because he is kind of a yak monster as well. Um, he's a good receiver, a big bodied receiver. And, and Dyshawn was there for a lot of it. Um, you know, we saw Stephen Arell out there on him a few times. Um, I like those matchups um, when we have our bigger corners out there. Dyshawn is such a cool story. Um, one, I met his family at Frisco, and they had the best outfits, um, full shirts with Dyshawn's, like, face and uh, image as a player all over the shirt. And that was so cool. It was just they just stood out. You know who they were repping. Uh, so that was cool. And then um, just his story, right? He, he played quarterback in high school, didn't know how to backpedal when he got to SDSU. Um, Dan Jackson had the, the foresight. Um, they saw the potential in him, brought him in, switched him to cornerback. He's a walk-on, paid his own way for his first year. I'm guessing he's on scholarship now. Um, but, man, he's – he's going to be a good corner and he is a good corner already. And he's physical. I mean, I'm like, wow. And I'm not talking physical where he gets handsy at points where he's not supposed to. I'm saying he lowers the boom when he steps up on run fits, when he comes into support. I mean, we saw the, like one of the first big hits of the year against Colorado state, but he makes his presence known. And then when you do that as a, as a physical DB, the wide receivers start to hear footsteps even when maybe they're not there. And then, you know, when you can play in their head, kind of like Dennis Rodman-esque, you know, it, it always really works out in your favor down the stretch. Yeah, yeah. So I like that. The one area we haven't talked about is special teams. Um, obviously the block punt. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, I don't know what's going on. Maybe it's the wind. But t- I think Tyler Feltkamp has these these punters scared. They are yeah, not punching real. the ball to him. And, Man, and they, he's they had were a few rough. good punts. Yeah. yeah. They were, like that punter was rough. But I will say this. I got some great shots from the Jackrabbit Sports Network in Tyler's edits. And I was checking out the, the trajectory that Fromm was kicking. And he was ki- keeping it low and really driving through the ball versus like even their field goal, it was a lollipop. Uh-huh, <laughs> it, was, uh-huh. uh, it had a little bit more arc on it. And it looked like it was fighting a lot of wins. So – you know, maybe there was a lot of, you know, resistance coming, swirling and, you know, really making it difficult on the punters and the kickers. I, I don't know. It's hard yeah. to tell through the, uh, through the TV. I, I'm just, you know, Feldkamp, the first half against Dixie State and against Indiana State, he had some nice returns, right? Yeah. But yeah, now we've seen, catch we've seen two games in a row where SIU did not want to punt towards him. Like they, that was their strategy to let it to let it roll. Like a bold move. We'll see. Sometimes that backfires. But I mean, I, I don't know that. How could WIU be that unprepared? Yeah, that, that was their punting strategy. To this, this is this is what I want to see, Matt. You know, you asked me what I think about the game. This is what I want to see from the Jacks moving forward. And coaches probably don't even watch this. Maybe some of the other media folks do, and and maybe they agree or maybe they don't. But the reality is I want to see us dictate games more. And you're like, well, Kyle, we're scoring 41 points plus a game. Like, what do you want to see more of? I want to see us force the hand of the teams that we're playing. You just talked about not kicking to Tyler. Put two guys back. You have to kick to one of them. Tell the other guy not to touch the ball if you're worried about securing it. You know, And then from there – the run game, if you possess the ball and you're going up against a good offense, well, they can't get more opportunities to score and to press the field. And what's one of our strengths? Defense. We had like three or four goal line stops against one of the best offenses in the nation. Come on here. Football is not hard. If I can understand it, it's got to be all right. You know, it's not that <laughs> it's not that complicated because, Matt, yeah. you and I are calling out things that they should be doing in our what to watch and you know, and it's coming true a lot of times. So, you know, I don't know. That's my little rant. 
And that's a good plug. I, the folks that are listening to this don't need to know this, or they already know this, but read our what to watch. Like that, that is one of the best things we do, but it is the least read article that we do. So, and it comes to fruition every time. Like it seems like all the things we point out, we either hit on, or those are the things that we could improve on that are causing uh, some tension and some headaches during the game. Yeah, so we'd appreciate it if you'd share that article. So, um, the uh, the the B team uh, did this last week at the end, but I want to make sure we get it here in the middle before we do game balls. Um, thank you to everyone who has liked, subscribed, uh, reshares, comments whatever. Um, you're helping us grow and we appreciate that. Um, absolutely. So, uh, thank you. Thank you for just kind of being with us for the last five, this is our fifth season now. So, right. Yeah. yeah. Fifth season um, of the blog and every, podcast, the blog is, and podcast. Yeah. yeah so. Podcast is our only our third, which is kind of cool, but you know, yeah. we, this is our only our second this is our first full season streaming live. Yep. Um, but to that point, I, I did see an additional review on Apple Podcasts. So for those of you who just listen, if you want to go leave us a review, really grateful for that. That will help our podcast appear more in the search function. Um, it, it works better for their algorithm. And with that review that we got, Matt, um, oh. the gist of it was they liked us in terms of staying on uh, on point, on brand, um, and not getting too ahead of ourselves, I guess. Maybe there's some sports podcasts that get political or whatever the case may be. We appreciate that. We'll never go that route. Um, uh, and so I think that, you know, it's just fun to do this and it's fun to hear your feedback. Yeah, definitely. So thank you. That's what, that's what we wanted to say there is thank you. All right. Um, so Game Balls presented by Jackrabbit Central. So again, Jackrabbit Central is the home to get all of your Jack's gear. It's the best selection, best customer service. You can get it at the stadium um, on game day, two hours before kickoff. Or if you find yourself in Brookings, two hours before kickoff, head to the Union, head to Jackrabbit Central in downtown Brookings. Or if you're like Kyle and just rarely get to Brookings, they will send it to you. So uh, great selection, great stuff. Um, and then with that, I just want to give a quick shout out. Um, and this is these are this is not a sponsor. This is a friend, um, my friend Nathaniel Candeli. So Candeli has commented here. He's a fan of the pod, fan of the blog. Um, he just opened up a new restaurant in Brookings, and nice. I'm going to get the name right here. So just give me a second. But it is Mosaic Wine Bar and Small Plates. It's in the lower level of the Masonic Lodge. Um, it used to be uh, the, the secondhand thrift, not thrift store, but secondhand, uh, nicer clothing, uh, in Brookings. Uh, they had their soft opening last night and they're opening this week with grand opening to follow. So, uh, go support them. Mosaic bar, Mo mosaic wine bar and small plates. So definitely kind of a new style to downtown Brookings. So I uh, give that a, give that a check or give that a, you know, a check it out and, uh, congratulations, Condelli. Proud of you, buddy. So, all right, game balls. Let's get back there. So uh, on offense this week, uh, I went with Jackson Yankee. I mean, I just think uh, nine receptions, hundred and some yards, uh, a touchdown. He just, I said it in the in the blog. He got a rave. I think we have to insert him into the conversation as one of the best wide receivers in the valley. Oh yeah. You know, we have, we have Avante um, Cox. We have Dennis Houston. Uh, we have Isaiah Weston from you and I. Um, so those three stand out, you know, Cody case down at USD. Don't want to talk about him too much. He's a heck of a receiver though. Um, so those are the, those are some of the best receivers in the conference. Um, and I think Jackson's right there with them, um, in terms of what he does, run blocking, um, run after the catch, big physical. So yeah. Agree. And, and I would go agree. All right. Uh, defensively, who are you going with? You know, defensively, I got to go to go with Winkleman. You know, he just hey. he was a beast on the edge. I know it's not really sexy. It's not it's not too shocking if you watch the game. Um, just the havoc he was able to wreak. I think he had did he have two sacks and a forced fumble? Recovered the fumble as well, which was yep. huge because they were starting to drive. They were starting to build on some confidence. So anytime you have an upperclassman who's able to kind of assert his own will. 
I love to see it. And, uh, you know, hopefully we can carry that in because we're going to need a good pass rush this week. So I'm going to go with him. Yeah, you know, he only had two tackles, but they're both sacks, the force fumble, fumble recovery, pass breakup, and an additional quarterback hit. That's a that's a monster stat line as a defensive end. Oh yeah. <laughs> so all right, and special teams. Did you do you want to do one for special teams? Yeah, I'm gonna go yeah. with uh, it's one and one A here for me. So I'm gonna go with uh Kinzer Madison. Obviously, don't talk about his name very much, but if you're gonna bring it up, punt block is going to be a fantastic way to get your name recognized. And then, obviously, Canyon Bauer. We talked about the impact folks can have um, on the game and, you know, scooping and scoring is no better way to do it. And I think, obviously, his impact offensively kind of carries over into having the the special teams player of the week not as well. Yep, agreed on both. All right, Kyle. Happy Hobo Week. Let's go. So <laughs> – so Kyle, you were a player, so you didn't get to experience Hobo Day to its full extent. Uh, so what is your favorite Hobo Day memory? Yeah, it's a great one, man. So there's a couple that stick out. Um, uh, well, so the first one, 2009, when we, uh, we actually beat Northern Iowa in a pretty exciting game. Um, I had one of the longest catches of my career. Uh, with a broken or not a broken, I tore basically my forearm. It's more complicated, but tore my forearm. So I had like this boxing tape job on um, and I caught a, a play action ball from Thomas O'Brien in a pivotal moment that we ended up driving down and scoring. And then I had Ryan Crawford, who was good quarterback for the Jacks that year too, but was recovering from uh, from an in, a knee injury. He goes, why didn't you hurdle him? And I was like, Ryan, do you know my, my athletic ability here, <laughs> dude? Like, I'm going to lower the head before I go over somebody. But uh, that was just funny to me. So that 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 uh, strikes a chord with me. Um, and then Colin Koshart made a great uh, catch to really kind of seal it. Glenn Fox went off. I think Fox tore them up through the air as a receiver. It was an Iowa kid, too. So that was really exciting for him. It's just great to see your team do big things. And then my senior year, man, we – uh we, we started out strong, beating Southern Utah to start the year in overtime, um, and then really just shot ourselves in the foot a couple times there. Went on a string, and then we beat beat the brakes off of Southern Illinois. Um, scored like 45-some points on them, too. So that was a great, great way to end, end the career. And I love the gold pants, man. The gold pants looked good this past weekend for the guys. And historically, for those of you who don't know, that was only a Hobo Day thing. So that was kind of exciting. Mm-hmm. Uh, oh, we only special games, but it was Hobo Day, and I think North Dakota State every now and again. Huh. So, uh, before I go, I want to encourage people to send us in their favorite Hobo Day memories or traditions. Uh, keep it PG, folks, or PG 13. It's a family friendly show here. Uh, <laughs> so, Scott uh, says tailgating, uh, yeah, Hobo Days. You know, careful, Scott. We never know who's watching. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> they prefer uh, Hobo Week and Hobo Day. So, uh, but you can call it what you want. <laughs> my favorite Hobo Day memory is um, my junior year. So we had stayed out and had a good time, but then I was also helping with the parade the next day and um, get to get to the union and find out that I get to drive a convertible through the parade with President Emeritus Peggy Miller uh, riding in the back of the convertible. So we head on down to Einspar's and uh, I get the keys to this convertible, super cool, um, and take off down 22nd Street. There's this whole line of cars. And right then that's when um, Paper Planes was super popular. Oh, I love that. And so, and so all of us, you know, had our guns up in the air. <laughs> <laughs> that was a banger back then, man. <laughs> Yeah, man. And so just uh, like, I love, I love everything SDSU. That's why I do a stupid podcast like this. Um, but Hobo Day was just incredible. And that's one of my favorite memories talking to Peggy. Um, <laughs> Chad. <Yeah. laughs> talking to Peggy Miller, getting to know her. Um, she, she told me she loves everyone from Clark. I'm from Clark. If you, if y'all didn't know, um, which also fun fact the guy that brought Hobo Day to SDSU was from Clark. So 
Love that. Uh, Jerry, that- Jerry Lores from Clark County. So yeah, Shannon Schlegel, lots of good people from Clark. Skyler Flat names up off the floor, Matt. Pick those I know. names are up in here. That's hey, right. uh, no, that's awesome, man. I, I love learning that because I'm a native. And um, to that point, can you kind of elaborate a little bit on for folks who don't know, elaborate a little bit on what the tradition of Hobo Day is, kind of how it, it it got some legs. And after my yeah. dogs quit barking here, sorry about that. <laughs> it's all right. So, so Hobo Day um, all started, uh, the legend goes, when the students went um, to the train station, um, dressed in their nightgowns, I believe. I believe if, if, if someone that knows better can talk to this, go ahead. Um, but they went to the train station, their nightgowns, um, in the twenties or so, right? Twenties. Yep. And then it kind of evolved into this other tradition because this gentleman from Clark had come from Missouri where they did have a hobo day. That was kind of their homecoming. Thought Mm. it was a neat tradition. And then, um, yeah, they just, it kind of stuck at SDSU where it hadn't worked in Missouri. And, you know, there's all sorts of fun things that happen throughout the week. Rally at the rails is a big one. Um, they, they do a bum, bum meal, bum Olympics, bum, a bum sleepover. Um, the bum a meal was one of my favorite ones. Uh, just cooking. We, we used to get to cook a meal too. Uh, now they go out and do like the community, uh, to actual houses and, and do it. Um, being in a fraternity, we just did it at our fraternity house and, and that was still a pretty neat thing. A uh, good brotherhood there. Um, but, but just like the energy on campus is just different. Um, yeah. you can feel it. You can definitely feel it. Uh, one of my favorite, one of my, one of my other favorite memories is, um, a fun event. <laughs> I was at a house party earlier in the week on Hobo Week, but also had my first wildlife and fisheries test of the semester, <laughs> and uh, went <laughs> went to this house party. And this is I've graduated a long time ago, so it's statute of limitations, right? <laughs> and went to this house party. I don't know what time we got back. It was fairly late, but woke up the next morning and it was like eight ten. Class started at eight in dairy science. So I hop out of my bunk in Hanson Hall, sprint down the sidewalk, roll into the, the lecture hall there in dairy science. And I'm like, oh, man, I had some people in my room last night. They must have turned my alarm clock off. Uh, can, can I still take the test? <laughs> and the professor, bless his heart, um, he, he goes, oh, wow, that's really bad luck. Yeah, of course. Like, here's the test. If you, uh, if you need a little help, um, if you need any more time afterwards, you can come back to my office and take it still. <laughs> <laughs> but I finished it up in class that, that day. I finished it up. Uh, didn't do too hot in it. And so I had to bust my butt for the rest of that semester to get good scores on the rest of my tests. So I, you know, got to be in the class. So that's not a good hobo day memory, but you're uh, a, you're a better man than I I better refrain. I'm going to plead the fifth from telling any stories about class or missing class or anything. I've already kind of told the one about coach Conklin letting me have it. So I'm going to, yeah, you can't, you can't. (laughs) Yeah. Um, (laughs) all right. So let's talk about you and I, because you, you spent some time watching you and I, um, I watched a bit of their game yesterday with um, with USD. So what yeah. do you think, Kyle? What did you see? So I saw them shoot themselves in the foot quite a bit, right? Um, a lot of penalties, a lot of unclean play, uh, something that unfortunately we've seen far too much of uh, from ourselves as of late. So, you know, something's going to have to give here. But what I, I did see that's really consistent defensively, they got Butcher and Brinkman, uh, the Bash brothers, starting with a B, right? So um, 94 is Butcher and not 44 is Brinkman, and they are stalwarts. They will get in your grill, and they will make you remember them. Um, and they Brinkman had a field day last year, right, against mm-hmm. us, um, just wreaking havoc in the backfield. I thought they uh, showed up a lot more in the run game. I know Tice of South Dakota, the running back for them, had a, a, over 100 yards rushing, but a lot of that was just wearing them down over the course. They, they had a terrible field position go of it against the Coyotes. Um, Coyotes are a good team. One thing I did notice, Coyotes were very physical in, in, uh, in the receiving core and in the tight end core. Um, I think maybe that's probably where we can um, eat a little bit as far as mm-hmm. the Jacks offensive roster. Um, I think, you know, looking at 
them from an offensive perspective. I think they do a lot of things that we're used to seeing from other programs. They run the stretch zone. I think they're going to do a lot of jet sweeps with, um, uh, with Quan Hampton and they're going to use, Deion McShane. Uh, obviously Deion, Deion McShane. They're going to use his brother Vance McShane, mm-hmm. um, who is a running back who had a 60-plus yard scamper against the Coyotes. They're going to use um, Brett, Brad, uh, Bradrick Shaw, who's a transfer from Cal, big, more physical back. Um, he's going to go off too. And now one of the things for, for folks who have been used to seeing the Panthers the past couple of years is Will McElwain. McIlwain is no longer under center for them. Uh, it kind of hit national news. McIlwain entered the transfer portal midseason. You know, Mark Farley, the historic coach over there, the legend, said that, uh, you know, he doesn't fault him for it. He's always been a Northern Iowa guy who was a walk-on, and now he's going to get a shot to play. And when you're a quarterback, you have limited opportunities to play. Fortunately for them, they had a guy named Theo Day come in from Michigan State, entered the transfer portal. Um, we're starting Former to see four-star recruit. Four-star recruit. We're starting to see a real impact here in the Missouri Valley with transfers, right? So we've, we've seen it uh, two weeks ago with Southern Illinois, with um, Donovan, who, Donovan Spencer, who they rolled out, right, and who made a big impact play in that game. And you, you saw there were plenty of transfers on WIU's squad, even going back to the 2020, 2021 spring season. So it's starting to be an impact here. Theo stepped in against Sacramento State when they were stalling. Sacramento State just got a big upset against um, Montana at Washington Grizzly Stadium, which really is shaking up the top five a bit more since last week when uh, both JMU and the good guys fell, right? So there's a lot starting to take shape and the complexion of FCS football is starting to settle a little bit here. Um, I do think Theo Day's a good quarterback. I think he mm-hmm. uh, he made a, some mistakes that seem to be a little bit forced uh, from his own hand and not necessarily from the defense. But um, it'll be interesting to see how the Jacks can play uh, in coverage. I know from UNI's perspective, there were a lot of holes in zone coverage um, when they went zone coverage. South Dakota took advantage of it. They sat down and, and found the voids, and their tight ends were really physical, trucked a lot of their DBs. Um, their special teams really stepped up, blocked a punt, kind of a blocked punt. It was more of a bobbled snap and then a, a shank. Mm-hmm. Um, but then they also, their punter pinned them back deep. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's where the Panthers were were just consistently starting an atrocious field position. So, you know, I mean, it's it's no secret. If we can play complete in three phases of the game, I think we're gonna we're gonna be able to do what we do. We cannot get behind schedule. I think that's gonna be our big what to watch from my perspective is winning on first down and can because if you win on first down, I think you have more of an opportunity to set yourself up for more advantageous third downs, right? So maybe not winning on first down, but staying on schedule yep. would be something that I would like to see offensively, whether it's through the air or on the ground. I trust Coach Eck because he's a hell of a play caller, really, when it boils down. And then defensively, what are we going to do? Are we going to throw blitzes at him? Are we going to throw stunts at him? Are we going to try to help our coverage that way? Are we going to go man? Are we going to go zone? It'll be interesting. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I one matchup that I'm already kind of looking at is you and I has Omar Brown at their at their one cornerback. Um, and Omar Brown's a very good player. He was a freshman All-American. Um really good ball skills. If, if there's a ball that he can intercept, he's going to. Um, but their other cornerback is Stefan Black, who um, I think was originally an Air Force commit, and we were after him as well. A very good cornerback. But he's he's just a second-year player. You know, He's still growing, and I think USD had a lot of success kind of targeting him or his area um, yesterday. And so – that, that's a matchup. Uh, I think whatever whatever Yankee he um, ends up in that area, I think that could be an advantageous matchup for us. We talked about this last year. You and I as linebackers are very good, but they're your more traditional thumper type of linebackers. Uh, they want to smack you. They're, they're best in the run game. Um, and I think an athletic tight end like Tucker can give them some fits. Uh, we know going into last year's game against you and I, which was our first game, Tucker was very much a huge part of that that uh, that offensive game plan. And then he dropped out in the first game with or first first series after his injury. 
Um, we saw Zach Hines have a big game last year against you and I. And so that's something that I'm really looking at is maybe our, 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 our tight ends having a, a big game against their smaller safeties. And they're, they're, I don't want to even call them slower because, but they're just more of a thumper uh, type of linebacker, more of a traditional linebacker is what they run across. So we'll see what happens there. Uh, I'm excited for that. Defensively, I go in um, for us. If, and we'll see, right? Because he went down. Um, but Isaiah Weston, who we've already talked about in this episode as being one of the best receivers in the Valley, took a pretty good lick against USD uh, right at the end of the first half and did not play in the second half. He went out with an apparent shoulder injury, was ruled almost right away that he wasn't coming back, is what they said out of the break. Um, so that's worth watching because a, a trio of uh, Isaiah Weston, Deion McShane, and... Um, yeah, Quan Hampton. That's a pretty good trio of wide receivers, right. um, and so we'll have to watch that. I know there when when um, Weston has missed time in the past, they've gone with um, uh, Wolf Logan Wolf, I believe is his name. Yeah, uh, he's he's another big receiver on the outside. Um, he doesn't have a ton of production this year; just has one reception for nine yards. Um, two years ago, right? Sorry to interrupt real quick. Sergio Moranti kind of filled in that void. Oh, yeah. Yep. Um, number 82. So I saw him uh, kind of make an impact. He he dropped some balls that I thought were pretty catchable as well. So it'll mm-hmm. be something to keep an eye on there. Just wanted Is to- he a true freshman or a – He uh, Yeah, he's – well, I don't know if he's true or not, but he coming from Florida out there. Yep. So, you yep. know, Graham. And then we should we should mention Zach – Was it, is it Zach Wilson, 95, who got his first sack collegially? Yeah, yep. So, another Florida boy. Florida connection here. Maybe we can, uh, you know, have a little ante uh, on the line, up the ante a little bit here. <laughs> yeah. Hey, and that you talked about uh, Broderick Shaw. Broderick yeah. Shaw. So he, what, that Cal, he was originally at Wisconsin, mm-hmm. had a bunch of carries at Wisconsin, went to Cal just for a little more playing time to kind of be the guy, and now grad transferred back to the Midwest here to you and I. So um, he had a good game against NDSU, um, mm-hmm. and I could potentially see him along with Don Williams, get a lot of carries. So. This, this is going to be a physical game. Like, <laughs> it usually is, right? It's a grinded-out game. It, it'll probably come down <laughs> to the wire. But Jack, the Jacks really need to bring it. They need to, they need to bring their lunch pails, and they need to be as physical as, as they possibly can to set the tone. Yep. Because um, this team is big, and they play bully ball. So who can be the bigger bully on the block? Yep, yep. And I guess, um, yeah, Don Williams dropped out of that game too. So – very interesting. And I think Chad's exactly right. We still need to focus on cleaning it up. We did only have seven penalties against uh, against Western. Um, so we improved a little bit, but there's still a long ways to go from in our execution, um, especially just like some of the plays we made were incredible yesterday. <laughs> and some of the layups we missed were, were mind-boggling. Yep. And so they were – those penalties that we had, although they were fewer in number, um, they were, they were drive killers. They were Mm -hmm. false starts, just not being locked in and doing their one eleventh at the time. But I know we'll get it cleaned up, man. We're, we're, uh, by and large in terms of penalties, we are one of the more disciplined teams in the nation. Hmm. Interesting. All right. So we'll get into predictions here and this prediction segment uh, is brought to you by Eric Erickson of Cutler Law Firm. Uh, so Eric uh, Cutler Law Firm is a full-service law firm from Sioux Falls. Uh, they build relationships based on trust by treating clients with honesty and integrity. That personal attention provides prompt, efficient legal solutions in corporations and business, financial services, litigation, trusts, and estates, and more. Um, so if you want to get a hold of Eric, 605-271-4938 or... Eric E at cutlerlawfirm.com. So thanks, Eric, for your sponsorship. Uh, can't wait to have uh, or hang out with you at tailgating um, coming up here. So, all right. So predictions. Am I going first? I'll go first. Yeah, Let me go uh, first to the hip here. I'm going to go. I think you and I, or I think South Dakota put up 34. Mm-hmm. I'm going to go 37. 
37-24 Jacks. Okay. Man, for once, I'm going to go a little bit more of a lower scoring game. These games against you and I are just slugfests every time. Um, and so for that reason, I'm going to go Jack Rabbits 24, you and I 17. So, right. you know, players to watch. I touched on this a little bit. I think our tight ends are just going to be matchup problems um, for the the you and I linebackers. Um, I think their safeties are maybe a little too small to cover our guys. And so for that reason, I'm going with Zach Hines and Tucker Craft. Yeah, no, those are really good. Um, I'm going to I'm gonna chime in there with you. Um, I'm going to go with Tucker on offense and Pierre. Uh, I think the big guys got to eat up front. I think Pierre may, may have more of an impact in the passing game. So kind of keep an eye on that um, than, than the run game. I think he'll have a good run running performance, but I think – Last year he did really well um, with you know the bench routes where you're sitting down in the middle. This is an odd front. They're they're a multiple different defense, so they'll they'll run three down defensive linemen. They'll bring a lot of different blitz looks. That'll be one thing too uh, to see how Chris handles that because I know they throw a lot of different looks on defense. I'm gonna go Adam Bach because I think that uh, he stepped up really good, and I I hope personally I hope. Uh, Logan can go because this would be his last opportunity to play against an in-state school. Um, so hopefully he can go. He made some huge plays in the spring against them. So that's my prediction. Yeah. So Logan was questionable last week. Um, so hopefully, yeah, hopefully that questionable turns into probable uh, this week. I just said probable really weird. So, all right. Um, defensively, um, you know, I, I'm really – kind of looking at, again, um, our, our, our safeties to step up a little bit. Like I think Theo Day proved this week that he's going to put the ball in play um, and give you a chance to, to have an interception. He's going to take some chances. We need our, our senior safeties to start making some plays. They're playmakers. That's what's missing this year from this defense, I think, is just – taking advantage of some of those opportunities that, that are there. So I like to, I like, uh, I like Griff. I'm going to take Griff this week. I took Manchigaya last week, taking Griff this week. So solid. Good stuff, man. Yeah. I agree. All right. So um, get out folks. Enjoy Hobo day. Um, there's a big announcement or a big reveal launch of a campaign on Thursday for the foundation. Um, at starting at club 71 and then it's moving over to the campanile for the light show um, which they did a few years ago which was just amazing so if you haven't seen the video of that uh, it's definitely worthwhile getting to brookings on thursday for whatever this announcement is uh, it's the start of a new campaign uh, i'm guessing they'll have some some lead gifts to announce um, or something like that so that's going to be really 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 cool uh, it's been just a great fall for sdsu on that on that front Oh, geez. Better late than never. The closer. Yeah. All right. So Dallas, again, I, Dallas I is in his busy watch. season. <laughs> yeah, sorry. Didn't mean to cut you off. I was intentionally watching and joined in right at the end because I was going to talk when you were off. It sounded like you are going to wrap. Oh, okay. Well, Dallas, what's your favorite Hobo Day memory? Oh, man. <laughs> Put me on the spot here. Did you guys Did you guys already give yours or what? Yeah, we did. Uh. I wasn't so not prepared to say anything here. I, you know, honestly, it's really just a simple fact that it was always the best crowds. Mm -hmm. I mean, everybody is up, tuned up, you know, drinking at, at 745 for the parade. Uh, it's just, everything's alive. Campus feels alive. Uh, I know that's a little bit generic, but that's mine. Hey, that works. That works. Well, appreciate you being here. So again, if, if you're any students watching this, or if you're, if you're a parent of students, uh, encourage your kids to get involved in the campus activities, whether it's the bum a meal, the bum over, uh, the bum Olympics, go watch the parade. Like Dallas said, there's so much cool stuff that is just SDSU and that brings people back to Brookings every year, um, to be a part of it. So enjoy hobo day, hobo week, um, and have fun. And it culminates in the football game. That's yes. the biggest thing here. Like it culminates in that. It's uh, the the student support is really starting to ramp up, and I love seeing it. Mm -hmm. um, we had coincidentally great support when I was there uh, about 15 years ago now.
but uh yeah it was it's just continued there's a little bit of a lull and now it's just ramped up again man so enjoy your experience there it's once in a lifetime because re really when can you experience it when you're early 20 something person uh you know out and about trying to find yourself and make yourself so uh take some some pride and some enjoyment in experiencing that yep awesome well, thanks everyone for listening. We talked about it earlier. We just really appreciate you being here and asking questions, sharing our stuff, uh, talking about it with your friends. Uh, just again, thank you, thank you, thank you. And with that, go big, go blue, go, go Jack. Jack. This podcast has been brought to you by Jackrabbit Illustrated. Thank you to our presenting sponsor, Drake's Place in Bottle, and to Jackrabbit Central and Shenanigans. Subscribe to this podcast and all of the Jackrabbit Illustrated podcasts and like and follow Jackrabbit Illustrated on Facebook and Twitter. And go big, go blue, go Jacks! Horns down! <laughs> <laughs>